Only two matches left of the season and we're still no wiser about who's going to win the championship. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Beautiful late spring week here in Buenos Aires. We're looking out the window, dark, ominous black clouds rolling over after a frankly bloody horrible day yesterday. Um, but it's it's a happy occasion on Hand of Pod because, as we know, when when a Hand of Pod team member moves house, they haven't really moved house until we've recorded in their living room. Um, and the laughter that you can hear in the background belongs to English Down. Hello, Sam. Yeah, welcome to my house. It's lovely to have you guys here. And yeah, it was a while actually, nearly three months. I got away with not hosting a Hannah Pod before um, before breaking breaking the house in today. And Indeed. Yeah, it feels really like I live here now. Yes, it, it's the, the living room's virginity has been taken. Um, and of course, it's very important that it's English Dan's house because it was in your house that we recorded suddenly in previous yeah. episodes. Um, what do you think? We are, have we upgraded? Um, uh, the view's much better from here. This is true, yes. Yeah. There is a view, for a start. And from what we've experienced so far in these opening seconds, there appear to be far fewer screaming children, um, which is, is wonderful for the acoustics of the event. Uh, we're joined by two Argentines. Uh, we have, as we often do with us, Andres Bruckner. Hello, well, talking about the weather, uh, welcome to London, not to English Dance House. London's not quite this humid normally, but yeah, apart from that, it's not far off. Um, and by uh, Ilan, I'm afraid I don't know your surname. Yeah, it's okay. Ilan Rubin. Rubin, it's welcome. Thank you very much for the invite. Uh, just tell our listeners who you are, what you do, why, why you're here as well. Well, I invited Dan to a radio talk show that I have, which is called Esa Locura Llamada Racing. As you can hear, I am a Racing fan. And he returned the invite to come here to talk about football with you guys and I'm very pleased to be here. And we're pleased to have you, not least because with English Dan uh, back as well, we've got two Racing fans and so that gives as us... As it should be. As the best phase <laughs> of Hannah Pod were with two Racing fans. Indeed, yeah. Um, and so that gives us a really, really easy place to begin because, somewhat surprisingly, if we've been recording, say, a month and a bit <laughs> ago, um, Racing actually don't look useless anymore. No, definitely not. They've not played anybody really sort of big, admittedly. They got a 1 0 win in the, the Classico against River Plate, which, as we mentioned on last week's Hand of Pod, was by far the biggest fixture of last weekend um, and the one that by far the fewest people paid attention to for once because of all the title race stuff. Mm, I, I wouldn't say that. I reckon there was quite a few people, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, just kind of Monday focused on it. It's kind of ironic that with Newell's playing Arsenal and with San Lorenzo playing away to Rafael, all nah, no one cares about the that. title race. No, no, no one Racing cares. Racing remains the, the Sunday evening 9.15 kick off the, the oh, Lanasa yeah. um, derby. Uh, Racing got a 1 0 win with a very early goal from uh, Bruno Succolini. I was about to say Luciano Vieto, and I knew it wasn't. Um, he played very well throughout. Mm-hmm. River were just plumbed. Yeah, new depths of awfulness. We're going to discuss River um, in a bit, but first of all, guys, why have Racing suddenly started not being crap? Well, I think you can say the very easy answer to that is that Mostaza Merlo returned, what was it, about four matches ago now. He's had a 
at the helm and it's been yeah no five three um, three wins one draw one defeat which is obviously much better than what the ten defeats that we'd had before and yeah I think you can see this game on um, on Sunday was very much Racing scored early from a, from a set piece uh, very well taken bit suspect marking from River which I'm sure you guys are very uh, very keen to talk about and then from about 30 minutes onwards it was shut up shop everyone you know behind the ball really just you know play out for, for that 1-0 in spite, which is kind of in spite of which River still struggled to reach the halfway line. Indeed, that's a lot about River that they just kind of gifted in the ball and you know, say, go on, come out. And there really wasn't you know anything to get River fans excited from what I saw. Uh, Melo's debut at Racing was the back in the 12th round. It was a 1-0 yeah. defeat at home to Vélez. And as Dan says, since then they've gone four matches without defeat. You know? I think that Racing are still pretty useless. <laughs> but Melo brought with him quite a bit of luck and won three matches, uh, two of the three matches were to contenders for relegation in in the next um, torneo final. Olimpo and Bayer Blanca and On away matches, they're good wins, I wouldn't say they, are, they aren't, and the win that we recorded against River is definitely the biggest one in the names, but really the match was really, really poor. And it's like the form of the two teams really really poor all along uh, the, this last semester that's what I have to say about that the Melo thing yeah. sorry I was just going to ask um, Ilan do you think one of the reasons that um, it, it was a poor game obviously like you know, Racing defended as much as they could and River didn't show anything but do you think that that had quite a lot to do with the first goal because I thought up till that goal and when Racing decided to to go for defence, they were actually playing pretty well. I don't know. I don't know if it was Merlo's advice or it was the, the players. Yeah. The goal was key for the match because if Racing scored the goal, what happened was destined to happen. We can't go without suffering. That is our life. And if Rivers scored uh, the goal first, probably it would, it would have been very, very hard to come back from that. As I was, um, I, I wrote in my um, my preview to River Plate's match this weekend, um, this coming weekend, they've got uh, Argentinos at home. We're going to get onto River in more detail, of course, in a minute. Um, but I mentioned that really it's becoming impossible to call River matches. You know that, that they're not going to win. I mean, you can say that with almost certainty the way they're playing at the moment. But the result might be a draw or it might be a narrow defeat because, with the exception of Olimpo, when they scored three with three shots on target, uh, when Barovero was um, was off in, out in and Chichisola was in goal for River, um, River don't actually you know although they're rubbish they've got a pretty tight defence they don't tend to lose by more than one goal so it's just a matter of are they going to concede that goal or not and if they concede it then that's it they've lost the match even when they concede it in the 13th minute or something I think it was the, I think the, the, the for this season you can pretty much say something similar about Racing you look at the results and there's very similar. few um, with more than two goals. Uh, you had um, San Lorenzo, obviously, which was 3-0, and Boca, 2-0. But apart from that, it's, it's tough to think of too many more that weren't decided by more than one goal. I told Andres before this podcast that uh, on the first 10 or 11 fixtures of Racing in this tournament, you only could think about when are they going to score the goal, because it was yeah. a 1-0 defeat, but when, how 
Is the goal going to come? It was terrible to look yeah. at that. It was terrible. Very you can also say that what Racing and River have in common, which is, I think, for both of them, prevented this season from being an absolute disaster, is the two probably best keepers in the Primera, in Saja and Barbero. You want to say? They're out there. I'd definitely put Barrovero there I'm not sure Saha's form has dropped off I think Saha's form uh, has dropped but because of the defence yeah. because really that's true uh, it's hard to say he made a mistake six in any months ago everybody, everybody was saying Saha needs to go to the national team yeah. and if you put players like Migliorico in front of him his, his form is going yeah. to drop but I, I see Racing more solid team than of course when, when Iskia was in, in charge of, of when he was the coach, uh, it's it's true. It's, it's true. Perhaps uh, you might say, well, but the Racing couldn't have been less solid than than it was when Iskia uh, was the, yeah. the coach because it was it would have been impossible. But uh, I I see a, a, a team more like a team than before. Yeah. And and, and, and River is the the, the, the other way. Uh, it's a, a, a uh, no, nothing. It's not a secret that uh, when uh, they concede goal, uh, uh, the the sensation is that they they won't uh, uh, turn round their the, the score. And uh, I think that Racing in this case knew that uh, mm-hmm. they t- took into account that River was in a weak moment, uh, in a weak season, and and scoring a goal will be key, as as Ilan said. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know how many goals did Racing score. Since Mostaza Malo is the coach, but since Melo took over, they got a one-nil win against Olimpo, a three-one win against Team Nasia, so that's four. Uh, lost one-nil to away to Argentinos, uh, one-one draw with Quilmes, one-nil uh, win over Rivers. So that's seven, uh, six goals in total in five matches, which is a lot compared to yeah. the first half of the tournament. First, I think that this well, was the first goal. Zuculina's goal was the first this season scored in the Cilindro. By a Racing player. Yeah, because and it was a no from, 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 from. Of course, yeah. Yeah. first victory, first victory, no, home goal conditions. Yeah. And first home condition yeah. victory for when Racing. Well, if you don't score a goal, it's not to win. When last season, uh, Racing only was once at yeah. home by River. No more. Big time. So, how can <laughs> the same players. You've got to love the consistency, How can the same players be so different? Yeah. Only God knows what Iskia did in those five weeks. Because we didn't score any goals, one own goal. This is the thing, yeah. isn't it? Melo is, is Racing's fifth manager of the of the season, if we include yeah. the two caretakers. The results in the league so far, I've got them up here. Uh, I shall read out Racing's score first and the opposition's last, regardless of whether it's a home or away match. Uh, 1-1 against Colón, 0-3 against San Lorenzo, 1-3 against Tigre, 0-2 against Arsenal, 0-1 against All Boys, 1-1 against Lanús, 0-2 against Boca, 0-1 against Newells, 0-3 against Belgrano, 0-1 against Rafaela, 0-1 against Estudiantes, 0-1 against Vélez, and then Merlo came in and 1-0 against Olimpo, 3-1 against Gimnasia, 0-1 against Argentinos, 1-1 against Quilmes, 1-0 against River. Um, Australian Dan, I think, would be banging his head against the wall at the moment because one of his big pet peeves was, as he mentioned many times, as we mentioned when Iskia took over, I think you were on the pod with us, Dan, and you brought it up, um, yeah. was, was Argentine clubs always going back to the, the, the mythical figures. Of course, Iskia's not a mythical figure no. in Racing, but he's but very much... Yeah, these coaches who have been and at every club and... Yeah. Yeah. And Melo epitomises that kind of... Yeah, and maybe you can... See Ramon Diaz, uh, Bianchi, and Merlo back in their teams. 
almost Except 10 at the moment, Melo's doing all right. Yeah. Ten um, years later, the I think Ramon Diaz did all right last tournament, but years pass and you can see it on football. That's that's the truth. None of them are the the winning Boca, mm. uh, the best club in the world, and or the the magical River that won in 1996 Copa Libertadores nor the Racing 2001 champions it's kind of always looking to history kind of thinking right if you've at least got the same coach then you can get the same results but the players are so different I think the the less words Ramon Diaz say the better the best because uh, in 96 champion was an amazing uh, team that uh, every every team would like would have uh, like to have and uh, the players that uh, that have had was like uh, the substitutes were uh, equal or the same form like the uh, uh, starting lineup players and uh, in this case when he had to to build the team by by himself uh, it was he shown a, a, a very weak side and um, it's I a very weak side that he picked because one of the things that's been used against him recently is that. He asked for Carbonero, he asked for Fabro, he asked for Teo Gutierrez to be brought in. They've all been crap. I mean, Carbonero, probably the most surprising. Teo was, we all said before the start of the season, arguably probably the start of the season, really season. But it's no huge surprise that Teo's arguing with people that he's causing trouble. No. I mean, you know, you knew that that was but a risk. Carbonero, for a year and a half before he joined River, was like the most consistent midfielder in the league. And First phase, when he was in 1996, uh, the fabulous team that won three. Uh, tournaments in a row, the Libertadores, Supercopa. He wouldn't have. Uh, uh, I, I imagine that he didn't say a lot to the players that were into the pitch because, friend, what can you say to Francesco, to Ortega, to Crespo? Uh, they they were like t- players that they they by themselves in the in the pitch would uh, organize and, and and say the other way. You play like uh, here, you. You do this, you do that, and there wasn't any uh, more things to say to, to them. I think. That's Can we blame on Ramon Diaz Teo Gutierrez form? That's it's a quality player. Carbonero can be discussed. Menzegest obviously can be discussed, and but Teo Gutierrez, you know, you you buy a box of prices with the, the his attitudes, but on the pitch he has to be at. Great goal scorer, yeah. and we didn't see that on this one. This no, no, three, sure. four months. And of course, it's not entirely Diaz's fault for that. But the point is that he. Then again, he, he now, can't play. himself has said, you know, he went out in front of all the press, which you know, I think since you're playing for um, one of the team's biggest rivals, it's an awful thing to say. But he came out in the press and said, look, uh, you know, I've got the ball a lot better in mm. in Racing, you know. So it says a lot. He, obviously, he was kind of he was crying out for something that he's not getting in in River. So yeah, I don't know how much is that. Is, is the coach's fault? How much would be you know his teammates' fault, or if it's a bit of the both, or a bit of Taylor's fault because maybe he's not looking because he's been used to decent service. It's sad to say, maybe um, a bit of all of them. No, sure. But I mean, the point is not not so much to do with Gutierrez individually, but it's that Diaz can't claim it's because of the play. <coughs> it's because he's not got the players that he wanted. No, um, definitely not. He's got exactly the players that he wanted, uh, and. For various, for whatever reasons, they're, they're not performing. Um, Andres said that, that he should just stop talking. Um, Please. He did talk yesterday. He said that he was going to have to consider at the end of the season 
the, the end of the Donnelly Nicial, sorry, the midpoint of the season, which of course is coming up in just two weeks' time, um, whether or not he was going to stay. This is after last week saying that when the new president comes in, he's going to be voted in in River in about three weeks. Um, whoever it is, he'll put his contract on the table in front of him and just let the president fill in the numbers. He'll be paid no more than the president thinks he'll be able to pay, which is also a very political move on Diaz's part, of course. Um, there are one or two whispers that if River don't beat Argentinos this weekend, Diaz will be off. Looks, yeah, it looks like, like if he loses against, a, or River lose, loses against Argentinos, he will resign because of uh, the lack of support, I think. Mm. Uh, uh, mainly from the, from the players, I think. Then from the supporters... Are, are, I think it's half and half. Yes, are, 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 uh, losing his, uh, are losing respect and, and well, the, the board the, the, and the new president, we still don't know who will be, uh, but uh, they didn't uh, support him openly. Mm-hmm. They didn't say, Ramon Diaz is, uh, is my coach and I, I will keep him in his charge, in, in charge, even though he loses against Argentinos and against, uh, I don't know, who is the last, the, wait, the last match, Lanús? No. No. Uh, well, um. Olimpo. Olimpo. Olimpo, of course it is, yeah. yeah right. uh, no, he, Olimpo, he played yeah. against Olimpo, sorry. They did, didn't they? Of course it's not. Kilmes, well, uh, um, maybe. Well, yes, Kilmes, I think. Kilmes. Well, uh, yes, away to Kilmes on the last weekend. There wasn't a, a, an open support from the future president may uh, independently on, on who will be. Donofrio or Caselli, who looks that one of him will be the, of them will be the, 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 the new president. And some some voices say that uh, he he would resign because he doesn't see that he can turn the 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 the, the, the story around and and uh, they they can uh, buy or or get only two players for the new for the new tournament and uh, uh, resigning no two or three if he if, if the team gets a, a ticket to the Copa Libertadores. Oh, of course, yeah, and. Uh, uh, he perhaps he may feel that if he re- resigns now, in case River loses against Argentinos, and or uh, resigns in the fourth of, or, or fifth uh, round of the next tournament, will be the same, and he will be even weaker in terms of support than he is now. Do you think the fact if they if they qualify for the Copa Libertadores or not, do you think that's important in this decision? Do you think that's weighing heavily in what he's thinking, like as he's analysing? The, the problem is that the, it doesn't depend on River. It no, but if by a fluke of results and the yes. fluke of what happens from now until the end of the season, if they get in, yeah. do you I think he'll be he'd be um, you know, tempted to have a shot at it? If you let me chip in, of course, it would be the worst thing that could happen to River. I agree completely. Yeah. But the fans want to play the Copa Libertadores and yeah, a, well, a rational River fan will tell me I want to play the Libertadores but it's the worst thing that happened to River yeah. you cannot give out points on the next tournament after what this one was there's a very good um, journalist who covers River Plate for I think for Ole and one or two of the other um, newspapers called Sebastian Srur he's on Twitter Sebastian um, and he did a sort of uh, Questionnaire of his fans at uh, uh, pop um, pop uh, what's the word um, poll that's the one I was going for a poll of his fans sorry yeah uh, you're right Dan you did to me. I thought you were just repeating the word pop back at me um, he did a poll of his fans uh, a day or two ago 
asking River fans, obviously, um, do you want River to, to be in the Libertadores or not? More than half of them said no, um, which is just unimaginable. You know, I mean, not I don't want them, but that it would be a bad thing for yeah. the River to do it. And it really would be. I mean, they would. I don't know what you think, Andres. Do you, do you agree or, or do you... I agree with the 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 the, the, the problem is that if they get rid of, of, of tournaments or they don't uh, they don't take uh, I know 25 points is the is the minimum to be safe. Exactly. Yeah. They've got uh, 17 at the moment. Yes. For the short um, They will be seriously in problems and, and, and the Copa Libertadores doesn't warranty you from from uh, not resigning yeah. in, in fact they 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 are, they are actually playing only one competition and they are crap so this is something that I said I remember saying this at the start of the season on one of the episodes that I think Joel was was with me and he uh, he accused me of being part of the the racingization of river when I said it which was that Sudamericana, yeah, okay, fine. It's nice to have qualified for international competition again, and, and the Libertadores next year, fantastic. But River have got at least another year of just really needing to concentrate on maintaining the good promedio that they had last season. Or are they going to be worrying about relegation again? We well, can see um, exactly how it happens. And look at this with, now: seventeen yeah. points and suddenly sixty-four. If you're going to take an average of twenty-five per short championship, last season's already been wiped out by the awful performance in the Inicial. You can see exactly what happens, you know. Just looking at the case of Racing, yeah. we thought going into the season, nah, Promedio doesn't even exist. Like we got sixty points last season, and we start with you know two points from the first twelve games, and then you're looking over your shoulder. So you're not, you know, no one's safe. Yes, the the perfect example is Independiente. When yeah. they won the Copa Sudamericana in 2010, yeah. they thought that they were that mystical Independiente yeah. from the 80s and the 70s. And they had the worst, mm-hmm. the worst tournament in their history, and because of that, now they're playing against the Pesca Justicia. And after that, we went to the Libertadores and have a shit, uh, have a shit league season. And yeah. Yes, yeah, I, right, I, I think that relegation risk, in case River doesn't, uh, uh, doesn't do a good, a good uh, torneo final, is that uh, it's the reason why Ramon Diaz, I think, lost support because uh, six months. May may make River be safe or not, yeah. And and that's why I think uh, it's, River is not anymore in a, a safe position in terms of relegation. So that uh, that is the I think reason why Ramon Diaz is now uh, deciding, or he said that he will decide at the end of the of the torneo initial if he continues or not in 2014, because. That sign that he made to the Boca fans about a year, no, six months ago, that I didn't. Yeah, I didn't get that. I didn't get And that. I think if he waits six more months and continues this form, he will. <laughs> it's a, a real possibility. That's a pretty natural end to our uh, classical discussion of two pretty crap teams who've got the potential to stop being crap but need to. Well, I think Racing are definitely on the way towards not being crap anymore. Uh, one's reason. on the right track and the other, I'm not quite sure if they found the track yet indeed yeah um, well we I, I guess reviewing particularly River in more detail when well, we do know what they've done for the Inicial but one other point that I've just remembered uh, before we leave it all together was that the, the, the importance of uh, Diaz getting this win over Argentinos this weekend is that River need to win both of their remaining matches 
in order for the River Plate of the 2013 Doneo Inicial not to be the lowest point scoring um, river in short championship history, including they're probably not going to finish bottom of the Inicial, but including the time when they did finish bottom of the Apertura in 2008. Uh, the other thing is apparently they need to score six goals in the last two matches in order not to be the lowest scoring River Plate ever in short championships which given that the Ramon Diaz who likes to go out and attack is the record breaking Ramon Diaz for yeah. good or for bad yeah, yeah. Um, so far they've got 10 in 17 matches they need 6 in 2 if they're going to avoid that <laughs> distinction which is surprising talking about you're talking about Ramon Diaz is that both Ramon Diaz and Carlos Bianchi were obliged to to apologise to say mm. I apologise to the to the supporters because of the of the of this campaign uh, because war that's a really go on, keep on both Sorry. River and Boca uh, disappointed their their supporters uh, and and well Boca a, li- a bit less because Boca uh, got ten points more than River yeah, uh, a bit less uh, <laughs> but twelve uh, goals more Sorry, Andres, carry on. No, that, 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 I, I was going to say that, that Boca they were fighting for the title until this. Last uh, round, uh, they lost against all boys. There's the segue. I would have been proud as the presenter of that segue myself. Um, Mm. We've gone from River to Boca. We've got another, uh, as Andres mentions, legendary manager who's been forced to apologise. And in fact, Boca still in with a realistic chance of the title. Um, Still up there in the race, but they probably missed the bus now. They lost the first time since the the very first match of the season, which was against Newells, um, that they've lost in La Bombonera. They lost it against All Boys, who, as we know, crap. Ricardo, Ro- uh, Ricardo Rojas, that would be interesting. Ricardo Rodriguez's first match in charge of All Boys um, resulted in a 2 0 win with goals from, was it Caleli or somebody? And, and, Roberto uh, Bation, the first. Bation, thank you. Maro Maxi Nunez, the second. No, Maro Matos. Penalty on Maxi Nunez. Which makes Maro Matos the top goal scorer in this year's Torneo Inicial. If it wasn't for him, my boys would have had a point. I'm sure. I think yeah. I saw the headlines on Monday, and all of the headlines said surprise, Boca lost. It's not that much of a surprise. Not is much of a surprise. Uh, they've won some games, they've lost some. Maybe the difference uh, between River and Boca is that River loses matches at home that Boca doesn't usually lose. But I don't think Boca is becoming crap. I, foot, I think uh, Argentina football is becoming crap. and it's all all very near. Any team can win, can win at any stadium. And on the way, uh, always played and Boca played. I think it was a more than fair win. Absolutely, the Bo- Boca win. I'm surprised by it purely because, although they've certainly not been very good away from home, Boca have uh, have been strong at home. They're, they're actually third in the um, uh, in the home. Standings that they've played one match more than, than a couple of sides, um, but they've got the joint third best in terms of percentage of, of points won at home, well, which is the better indication than just the raw points, exactly. Yeah, because Godoy Cruz, although they've won one point fewer at home than Boca, have also played one match fewer, so they've actually won a higher percentage of the available points. Um, so they've been good at home, but they were absolutely bloody awful. They lost, as we say, 2 0. Completely outplayed by a team low on confidence. Okay, with the new manager, but still, I think the new manager bounces is often overstated in all boys' case. Well, maybe not. But key, key of the match, I think, was that even though Riquelme is not in a good form, uh, uh, of, 
uh, talking about physical form, is that Ricardo Rodriguez, the, the former new, uh, brand new always coach, admitted that that Riquelme uh, uh, exit from the match made them things easier yeah. for because of the of the self-esteem. This, this is worth contextualising a bit. In Boca's previous home match, that's two weeks before, um, they had been 1-0 down to Tigre, they'd been all over Tigre for most of the match, not playing particularly well, but clearly the better team. Um, and Riquelme set up two goals, both with free kicks, uh, late in the match, one from Leandro Paredes with a spectacular drive, and the other one was uh, Daniel Diaz, Daniel wasn't it? Diaz, yes. um, to, to win the match 2-1. Um, they then lost 3-2 away to Arsenal, which we discussed last week because Rob and Santi were both there. Um, so in a way, you know, Riquelme at home in La Bombonera, at least, even when he's not playing well, sets up two goals, Boca win the match. This is the difference Riquelme can make. 15 minutes in against all boys and he goes off with a hamstring injury I think his, his 2013 is over now he's not going to play he's not until 2014 um, that's a huge loss for Boca in the last two weeks even when he's not playing well yeah as we say. I think maybe if you're overseas or you're up in the north listening to us the perfect example of Argentinian football was the match against uh, Boca against all boys if you can Google Ricardo Rodriguez, you can see that guy, when he talks, he's talking like uh, uh, his house. He is the, the example of amateurization of Argentinian football, and that win is the example of amateurization of Argentinian football. No longer Boca have uh, the almighty Bomorera Stadium to back their wins, and definitely anyone, even the lowest budget team, can record a win against Boca or River or... Obviously, Racing and all the other important teams in Argentina. I think it's the perfect example. Mm. I think we saw that as well. Just go back to River very quickly with that game against Olimpo. Yeah. Where they started off yeah. winning. That was in the Monumental well, as well. That right? has been yeah. coming. Yeah. And then Olimpo come back and score three goals and yeah. walk away a bit. Like, that has been happening to, to River for a couple yeah. of years now. Yeah. And when we say that Boca can't be relegated, it's because Boca doesn't usually lose. Yeah. that kind of matches but we're, we're starting to see in the last tournament and now in this one Boca losing points at home yeah. it's going to take some doing unfortunately because Boca already um, through the 25 point barrier for this short championship so I mean they're, they're top of the promedio yeah. table they're, they're comfortably they're not going to get the interesting um, thing is going to be relegated the following the year when they lose them those 76 points even then they're still going to have an average of more than 50 points a season assuming they manage something like what they the do in the next one in yeah. the, the Torneo final yeah. uh, Boca not, not playing fantastically and they've got two yeah. matches left which are away to Lanús this weekend that's going to be the, the big one in terms of their title ambition and then at home to Gimnasia um, I've just mentioned title ambition we've discussed Boca just enough now to bring in the other title contenders the Lanús game is going to kick off 45 minutes after San Lorenzo against Estudiantes which means that by the time the second half of Lanús versus Boca starts, it is mathematically possible that Boca will be out of the title race. Uh, Boca at present are on 27 points. San Lorenzo are top of the league um, following the weekend's results, which we'll go through in detail in just a second. San Lorenzo have got 31 points. So if San Lorenzo beat Estudiantes, Boca can't win the title regardless of what they do against Lanús. We should contextualise this a bit and say that 31 points for the top place team two games from the end is... 
fucking awful. And this is absolutely diabolical. It looks like so many of the top six, yeah. apart with the exception of Lanús. Nobody wants to win the championship. No, yeah. nobody wants to win the championship. Rubbish in the last few if months. You, if you say Boca on the title challenge after losing mm. two games, playing awful, that two is games in a row, one of which is against title rival as well, of course, in Arsenal. With 27 and points. And I don't know how many matches without a win. More than a month. Four, four, yeah. four, six. Two teams in the league have picked up fewer points than Newell's in the last five ma- in the last six matches. River and Colón. Yeah. <laughs> that tells you a lot. Colón has um, taken points away. And, and that's precisely what we're... One of well, no. <laughs> Colón in the last six matches they've played, not, yeah. not even counting <laughs> the fact they didn't turn up for the uh, uh, Rafaela match. Uh, the weekend's matches, now to go over them, there were it was a, fewer shocks um, this week. Uh, Mystic Sam did, did far better. He got a respectable uh, four out of ten, which is, is closer to... Uh, to respectability, as I say. Really. That's, got, that's what I got as well in the office. We did the uh, Prodi from the Loteria Nacional. I was actually, my initial picks, I got six, and then I let Mariano talk me into changing two of them, and I got them both right and he got them wrong, but I changed them on my previous. So what he, a bust. Fucked me over. What a bust. Uh, Southfield beat Godoy Cruz. They came from behind to beat Godoy Cruz 2 1 on Friday night. That was quite an entertaining match and involved fantastic winning goal from Lucas Prato who in fairness to him had already taken about 15 shots from outside the box before he got one on target but the best the, the best fat player in the, in the league at the moment in the absence of, of Fabiani yeah well, he's better than Fabiani yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a little sacrilege no, I don't say that uh, on Saturday afternoon Argentinos Juniors drew 1-1 with Quilmes there was another goal so in that one it was scored by Rodrigo Gomez Drupi who was fantastic in the first few rounds then looked like the opposition had worked him out a bit and now he's starting to hit some form again Um, as German Dan asked us to mention uh, very very good goal Argentinos Juniors Stadium as we mentioned a few weeks ago seems to lend itself to long range efforts it's quite a very small pitch I remember a strike from Carbonero last season I was was at that one I was also at at Saturday's match I've I've been to maybe 9 or 10 Argentinos Juniors matches at home this season and I've seen at least six goals from outside this the season box. or this year? This, 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 this sorry, season this year. This, this year. <laughs> the biggest yeah. fan they've got. It's a very uh, particular stadium. Yeah. In 2013, yeah. When you go in the afternoon, it's like a picnic because you yeah. have the, the trees and... Yeah. It's a nice yeah. stadium. It's the only three-sided stadium in the league, right? Um, on a technical... Yeah, if, if, yeah. If, you, uh, if you include the absolutely tiny stadium, yeah, well, 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 the goals are all boys. No, and if you consider Olimpo has sites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was that was a decent enough match for Argentinos were a little bit unlucky not to win but still uh, Olimpo beat Rosario Central 1-0 with a goal this was an historic goal um, from Dylan Gisi who becomes the first Swiss player ever to score in a competitive match in <laughs> he is the son the son of an Argentine footballer he was born in Geneva brought up in Geneva plays for the Swi- uh, Switzerland's under 21s apparently oh, really? or I don't know whether he still does he's 22 years old now um, but he played a few, several you know not just once um, a bunch of matches for Switzerland's under 21s um, yeah, yeah. so he is Swiss in footballing terms and yeah he came down here and got on Estudiantes youth books I think it was and then uh, moved to Olimpo in the in the winter I think this, this winter Good because Estudiantes had a, a player from the US United States yeah, yes, Oshos, Oshos. Oshos, yes. So the Oshos brothers in fact Michael yes. and um, and his brother who can't remember I was oh. supposed to be interviewing Michael Oshos for the now sadly defunct XI magazine 11 in uh, the US um, about what it's like to be an American playing in the Argentine League but he 
would, uh, his agent said he was really up for it and really interested in doing it. He gave me his number, and Michael never returned my phone calls. So that's a pity. If you're listening, Michael, you know I'd, I'd love to talk to you. Get in touch. Um, no, he's an enemy of the podcast now. No, indeed, I'm almost certain. Uh, we'll talk about the title uh, title challenges matches in a second. Racing River, we've already talked about. Estudiantes got a 1-0 win against Colón, which is the, the resultado cantado of every weekend. Now, we know that Colón aren't going to score and that they're going to lose, even when they're playing a deeply uninspired Estudiantes. Juan Sebastián Verón, so upset with that Estudiantes performance that uh, when the players returned for training yesterday morning, Tuesday morning, he apparently, it was pissing down with rain oh, across Buenos Aires probably oh. yesterday a whole bunch of the clubs didn't actually train or they trained indoors Estudiantes apparently didn't train they just spent two hours sitting in the gymnasium with Veron telling them all what they'd done wrong on the, on the previous day because that match was played on Monday um, and then Belgrano beat Tigre 2-0 we need to mention this Belgrano match because uh, Cesar Pereira scored about 70 seconds into the game um, to give Belgrano the lead Tigre dominated for the rest of the match and then just as the match was ticking into stoppage time Pereira hit an absolutely beautiful lob what a play so what well weighted which came down off the crossbar and Joel will have been really happy to see this Joel has mentioned a few times on Hand of Pod that he considers Javier Garcia to be the worst goalkeeper in the Primera um, Javier Garcia had a bit of a sort of Benny Hill moment running back towards the crossbar with his arms <laughs> flailing and it just hit him in the chest and went in um, <laughs> surrenders bunch of people on Twitter tried to give it to Pereira and it was I mean clearly Pereira deserves all the credit in the world for it but uh, on a technicality I'm afraid it's clearly a Garcia on goal um, the title challenging matches all happened on Saturday evening and on Sunday afternoon Atletico Rafael against San Lorenzo was a 2-2 draw highly entertaining Rafael took best, a 2-0 lead best match of the of the round the Arsenal probably and, um, Rafael against San Lorenzo yeah. I think so uh, if only for Ignacio Piatti's two goals the first of which was an indirect free kick just knocked to him and then he leathered it hit it far harder than it's ever necessary to hit a football and the second one just wow beautiful yeah. wow is the only word I can say look up the second goal on YouTube uh, Rafael de San Lorenzo Piatti is he going to be available for the next round I know he picked up a bit of a knock no. uh, yeah I think he's yeah he should be yeah. fit again yeah when he arrived San Lorenzo he got, got injured very mm. very uh, soon uh, very very uh, uh, short time after he arrived on Lorenzo and then uh, people saying uh, well who who did you bring to do San Lorenzo and that well, and now he's paying he's uh, coming to the team with this beautiful goals and he's yeah. isn't he the goal scorer of San Lorenzo yes he is yes, he's, he's the, the second top goal scorer in the league yes, the right. I think if he could only maintain his level because it's a player with up and down conditions. That's the, that's the truth. I, we know he had a lot of injuries, but this Piatti is not the Piatti that we see every six months. That's no. not true. He's 28 years old. I'm just wondering. He's, he came back from Europe to join San Lorenzo, yes. didn't he? He played Leche. in Leche before yes. that, Independiente. And San Etienne as well. Uh, and very briefly. Gimnasia and La Plata, yes. I think. Yes. Start, started in Chacarita, then moved to San Etienne for one season, then moved back to Gimnasia, then to Independiente, as, as you say, and then Leche for two seasons in San Lorenzo. I just wonder whether, uh, if, he keeps, if he can possibly keep it up, he's 28, he might just have one more shot at, at a European um, season or two in him. I hear um, that, that if San Lorenzo finally uh, gets the, the torneo initial, he, Piatti himself could could return to Europe because he he is showing class and yeah, he he is back with the quality that perhaps San Lorenzo thought 
he will will have when when yeah. they bring him. Uh, we finally decided now that uh, PC is a good coach. Definitely. So I've heard a lot of things, especially from San Lorenzo fans. Like but so many doubts from from San Lorenzo fans about PC, but I think it's a fantastic coach. Nothing like that on hand of Pod, I would hope. Um, no, of no, we've, we've been fully behind PC. Well, last, I know as well that Mariano last has. season, which was a far more mediocre mm. tournament for San Lorenzo, <coughs> I <coughs> sorry didn't manage to get tickets for the Racing side on the San Lorenzo no, Racing no, no, no. match, and I ended up going in on the San Lorenzo for one. In San Lorenzo Yes, side. for one exactly. And imagine losing for one to Racing, which is a a smaller Clásico, but a Clásico indeed. The, and they started winning the that fans game, so. didn't want to see PC anymore. Mm. That's what I heard. But really, uh, it has a, been a very good uh, tournament for San Lorenzo. I think it's, if not the best, one of the best teams on a mediocre tournament. Mm. And really. I think the the opinion of the fans has changed at least a bit about mm. I think a coach with a great future. Indeed. Uh Bocca's two 0 defeat at home to all boys we've mentioned already. Newells and Arsenal drew one one. Newell's old boys took the lead. They took the lead through Marcos Caceres with a bloody fantastic finish. Um, about 10 minutes before half time yeah. I know that uh, Ilan and Dan are both gritting their teeth and Dan's actually quite audibly uh, howling at the moment <laughs> it's uh, the only reaction I never score for, how, give us the stats again about how many matches he played sure and how many goals he's got six years in six. six years I remember one goal in Boca two goals there. Two. he's a against San Martín de Guzmán and we lost yeah. he's, he's a full back there was one goal in that 2-1 um, against Boca which was very welcome he's yeah, a yeah. full back and full backs in Argentina are, are not expected to score particularly freely but it has been quite amusing the number of goals he scored for Newell since he moved to them from just Racing. how much better he's played like, and that as well he was a disaster in exactly. Racing at best he was regular in Racing at best the very very best you could ask for him was that he didn't fuck anything up the thing is, it's, it's very easy obviously uh, I just wonder on a, on a side note it's, it's really easy for obviously as fans of Racing then for you to look at him and say you know they, they, this is very frustrating. You were never any good person to hate him. But does this actually say something about Racing? Is it to do with the way they run? Is it, that, that translates onto the pitch? Yes, there's so many players you can say about this. No. You know, yeah. Hundreds and hundreds of players you can say the same thing. Exactly, which, which, suggests, Racing, which suggests that it's an institutional thing. Because you look at Cologne at the moment, what goes on in the boardroom translates mm. to what happens on the pitch. It's an institutional thing, but not about how Racing works with their players, but of Racing's historical lack. I think um, so much pressure. Though. How many real centre forwards point. did good in Racing? Milito. No, but uh, uh, that came. Well, we would say Mueve de Aria in Argentina, a real centre forward. The only forwards that do quite well in Racing are the fast ones. The mm-hmm. ones that play on the side, like Vieto, maybe Lisandro Lopez. Uh, yeah, Teo, you could say. Like, but yeah. Ruben Ramirez, which is a regular player, managed to score a lot more goals in Colón, mm-hmm. Banfield, than he did yeah. in Racing. I don't even don't even get me started about Sun because, <laughs> but I think it's Racing's luck that carries um, side by side with Racing every match and every year. But we have to deal with it, and that's what we yeah. choose, right? In Italy, they always used to call it the Inter effect before Calciopoli happened and Inter became the best team in the country. Um, Arsenal de Sarandi equalised about four minutes into the second half through Mariano Echeverria with a ridiculously badly marked header from a corner. 
Newells. Right, Newells. They've not become crap overnight. They're missing a lot of chances. They've not won in six, but they have drawn four of those. They've only actually lost two. Mm. But a month and a half ago, we were looking at the Donnell Inicial table and we were saying, well, Newells are going to win this with about three weeks left. Yeah. And now we've got two weeks left and Newells are second and it's quite clear they're not going to be the team that win it. I mean, Lanus might do. Lanus um, had their, their run of five consecutive wins in the league as well as one against River and one against Libertad last week in the Copa Sudamericana um, cut short by a nil-nil draw against Gimnasia which I missed but which by all accounts was rather fortunate on Gimnasia's part yes, yeah. um, Lanus had a couple of really good chances sort of tipped or saved or, or blocked on the line um, from what I heard after the game um, but you know those, those are the informed teams Newells have just yeah I think they can win the title now as I said Two teams in the division have, have won fewer points than them in the last six matches. Um, I think it's very hard to see a, ty- a team who are doing that in the running um, win Oops. the championship, especially when they've got to go to Lanús on the last day or they've got to host Lanús. I think looks, like, looks like, like they lose power, power in attack uh, yeah. in, because well, Cáceres scored the goal against <laughs> Arsenal this last last uh, round, and uh, I, I remember rescuing news from a defeat against Colón. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Going down two 0 against Colón, a side who scored now two goals in the last ten matches, and it was in that match. Yeah. Yes. That's been the problem with Newells. You know, they've played some nice football, just as they did with uh, Martino for the the past past championship which they won. The difference has been that their finishing has been dreadful. Hmm. Like they've, I don't know. You know, it's I'd love to see the statistics the about how many. Yeah. No, I think it's been. I put them all for the year. Like you know, if you put up how many goals they scored this tournament compared to the other one, where well, they, that's a good point. Where they also yeah. had the Torneo final, they scored exactly forty goals, and so far yeah. in seventeen matches of the Torneo in ECL, they've scored twenty-four. So and in the final, they had the destruction of the Libertadores as well. Yeah. So yeah, I think you know, and those forty goals, that's almost um, naturally Coco share, no? Mm. He scored what fourteen or thirteen. Yes, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I think that's where you can you can see the difference. Like they've they lost that brilliant. You know, he was the best player in the league for the lot for a whole year. Some of they it lost that, and they didn't really replace him. Some of it has been Birdie not starting Tresegate perhaps as, uh, as frequently as some of the fans say. But it's it's the same problem. Like you know, they had that hole in in um, in centre forward, and they had to fill it. And, you know, it's I think before it solved itself the problem. Losing the Clásico was actually terrible for Newell's. Mm. It played a, yeah. a really bad job on the players. They were on the run, I think, of four consecutive wins and they lost the Clásico and since then they've not yeah. won a match. It was a horrible Rosario Central with, you know, you saw the second goal, it was Chino Luna rolling on the box and then Encina scored it, but mm. it was really a lack of attitude. And in Argentina, they said Newell's is pecho frío, that... And what its new system was trading on on this last stretch of the tournament is really that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I've just got up Newell's goal scorers here, and they've uh, Maxi Rodriguez has scored six, Tresegate has got five, no one else has got more than two. Victor Aquino, Marcos Cáceres, and P- Pablo Perez have all got two, and then you've got a few players on one: Casco, Cruzado, Heinze, Lopez, Mateo, Munoz, and Orsan, um for that total of twenty-four. Um, what was I going to say? It'll be interesting to see if Ramon Diaz does leave River at the end of this season, whether Tresegate, because Tresegate's only on loan at Newell's, remember. River wanted, Diaz wanted to get rid of him. By all accounts, it was a clash of egos in the dressing room. Um, so Diaz wanted to get rid of him, and River couldn't find anybody who would 
take him off of the money plus his wages. So they've had to loan him out. They're still paying 75% of his so wages. It'll be very interesting to see if a different manager comes in who's a bit more happy to say, yeah, actually, I'd like a team that can score some goals. Whether Trezeguet then comes back to River for the Tonel final. I don't think he's a first-team player for next season in River. Because if we take into account that supposedly Kavinagi is coming back and Teo Gutierrez is not going to leave... If Kavinagi actually is coming back, of course. I think that is the, looking that is the starting forward for River next season. So much of this is going to depend on who the president is as well. But That is right. At least Kavinagi will, will be become River as a free agent, I think, because he... He didn't uh, renew contract with Puebla. No, that's Mexico. a very good point. Yeah, I've forgotten about that. Uh, and he, he will be free as a free uh, agent. But um, I, I think Trezeguet, even though he has contract until June 12, 2014 with News as a loan. Uh, oh, a one year loan, of course. Sorry, yes, right. and, and, and he will be, I think, 36 years old. And uh, uh, I think that it will be more, more reasonable to see him as a manager, for example, or working for the youth, to uh, teaching the youth youth players, uh, which would be very, very necessary, than playing as a striker, because, uh, yes, if Kamenagi comes and, and Teutores remains in the team, the, I think that the, the pair of strikers, of, of uh, at least what I think, starting lineup will be Kamenagi and Teutores. I actually think that it's very difficult to be on Trezeguet's head. What is he thinking? Does he want to continue playing? But as long as he scores goals, I think he's still a pretty good forward for Argentinian football. I think here in the land of mediocre football, in 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 what we say right now, historically we have better football than now. But I think as long as he scores goals, he's going to keep on playing. Mm. But he's, he's always in the box, waiting for the cross to come, for him to header the ball. And, and the most difficult thing in Argentinian football is to to be clean in the in the box to header the ball because you are surrounded by by defenders all the time. And and Terzeguet, oh, he gets out of the box to 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 pass the ball, uh, and then get, he gets out from the box and then get, and then gets uh, gets in again the box and. And ways for a cross, and it's very, very difficult in that in that way. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Away from Trezeguet and River and Newells, and back to the title race with detailed all the results. Now we're going to run down the points at the top of the league. Um, as we mentioned, Boca possibly dropped out of the title race with that. Uh, now, can we say it? We're at there's with, nine teams without the seat, still in the title race. Mathematically speaking, <laughs> everybody down to Argentinos Juniors can still win the league Argentinos are six behind San Lorenzo with six to play for um, so they're not actually going to win the league but um, they're in ninth San Lorenzo have 31 points they're top Newells have 30 Lanús have 29 Arsenal have 29 Vélez Sarsfield who we didn't even mention in our uh, title running roundup last week uh, with that win against Godoy Cruz move up to 27 so they're four behind San Lorenzo can I cut him for just one second I've spoken since uh, since the weekend, since they beat Gorri Cruz, uh, two Vélez fans, mm-hmm. kind of fanatics. You know, you All of them. Yeah, the two, yeah. Plus the five in uh, La Pandilla. Of course. Uh, <laughs> them. Um, both of them said, if Vélez win the title this season, it's um, 
it's an embarrassment for Vélez and it's an embarrassment for Argentine football. I don't need to worry too much because I don't think it's going to happen. You, you never know. But yeah, yeah, it I just says, I think it says something about how mediocre the tournament's been that Vélez with you know, 27 points and haven't played they basically weren't paying any attention games. it's not so much that they were playing badly it's more they weren't paying any attention at all to the league until they went out of the Sudamericana like two weeks yeah. ago um, <laughs> and yet they're still in the title hunt the really the reason that, that, that we include them in, in the race of, of realistic title hopefuls is that they're four points behind San Lorenzo and they host San Lorenzo on the last weekend that's a massive um, so if San Lorenzo drop points this weekend if Newell's and Lanús drop points this weekend and Vélez get a win then that last, last uh, match is, is going to be very interesting uh, as we say Venice on 27 Boca also on 27 Estudiantes on 26 they're not going to win the league are they bloody hell that really would be embarrassing do you know I think the, the embarrassment is already done I think regardless of which team which team wins the league the embarrassment has already no, but, done sorry but more embarrassing, embarrassing situation will be as we have been talking with Ilian, Ilian in off the record is if Rafaela gets this is exactly what I was thinking they win their last two games bloody brilliant. and then they have to decide what happens if Rafaela the team I want to win Rafaela did hold on to the 2 new win uh, to San Lorenzo and they win the match yeah. in Central Rosario Central in Rosario which they were 2 new on top they would be first yeah. that's yeah. incredible probably the lowest or second the lowest budget team on Primera División with players like Bastia and Lujansker on the latter stages of their careers. Admittedly, Adrian Bastia being on a league-winning side would be an embarrassment to world football. Never mind. Really you're, you're forgetting Arce. Sorry. Champions already have doing doing it again. You know how many people in Racing say they want Bastia back? Like. I think. I don't know if you've had the same I thing. Like, the worst Bastia thing, back in Racing. The worst thing is that Rafael given the number. The number fucking nine shirt. <laughs> he has um, to end his career in yeah. Racing. There's no doubt about really? that. <laughs> I think he has. Maybe not as a as a first team player, but he has to play alongside Sogulini. No doubt about that. There you go. This is you know, a Racing fans think the same. I'm astonished. Anyway, uh, Rafaela, who we've just mentioned, are one point behind Estudiantes at the moment. They have 25, which is uh, six behind San Lorenzo. But it's looking extremely likely now that the no show by Colón. Um, the previous week which we talked about in the last episode is going to result in Colombia being dot points and Rafaela being awarded a 1-0 win because at the moment Rafaela have um, have a match in hand when that result goes through or uh, in the increasingly unlikely situation that they actually have to play the match Rafaela are obviously going to win it anyway because it's against Colón um, Rafaela will be up to 28 points so only 3 behind San Lorenzo who they drew with at the weekend Rafaela hosts Newell's on the last day they're away to Tigre this coming weekend. Um, Should so be a win. Really. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, Tigre have picked up a bit recently, and because they're at mm. home, I'd give them a chance. I think that we got beaten. Um, yeah, two 0 mm-hmm. um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, when they're at home, right. their last home match was a two-one win against Newell's coming from behind. And as I say, Newell's are not the team they were, but they've not suddenly turned into a bad side overnight, right. and they're not losing many. Uh, and then Argentinos on 25 points who are not going to win it but could I mean that would could really force it to a uh, playoff if every other team if Caruso Lombardi ends up managing a championship winning team I think they're just going to close hand the pod down Santiago's going to become incredibly annoying if that happens um, guys who do we who do each of you think is going to win the league looking at the table right now and who would you like to win the league not necessarily the same yeah. thing of my two answers are the same uh, 
Newell's. Yeah. Okay. I don't think it's that crazy. Like the one it, point. It says a lot. It says a lot. The best team in form. The best team in the championship. Like, like, the yeah. second and I think point. that's that's totally controversial. Anyone else? I think San Lorenzo is going to be the champion, and I would like Atletico Rafael <laughs> to win it. Andres. Uh, I think San Lorenzo will will claim the, the title, and I would like News to win it because. Uh, I, I like very much the way they won the last uh, tournament, uh, the, the way they played, which, I, wo- which is a lack of play in this yeah. case, uh, and, 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 and they uh, uh, achieved something different, which is uh, a, a way of a style of playing, a way of playing which I liked very much. And Some US fans really say that Berti is destroying what Martino did, but no, no one says so. I agree, right, first of all, I, th- I think that the title, I think it's going to be, uh, probably edged towards San Lorenzo, but it wouldn't surprise me if Lanús could do it as well. Um, I almost agree with what Andres says about wanting Newells too. Newells are, a, a, I've always liked Newells as a club anyway. Um, I've, I've sympathised with their fans, I'm guessing the two Racing fans here did actually. On no, the, um, we don't sympathise with them in your sense. Even when they had that horrible dictator, President Lopez, for 14 years. They're the friends with Independiente, though. Are they? Yeah. No, I have no idea about that. They were friends. No, Central was a friendship with Okay. No, right, I didn't realise that. You see, I thought Racing fans would have had some sympathy with the way that Newells were run for all that time, given the Blackie Celeste era at Racing. But Newells are a club who's fans and his style I've, I've, I've always kind of liked it's um, ahead of a stadium to go to I don't know if you've ever been to a I, stadium I, I think Rosario is on both sides an incredible yeah. city it's to a centre of football like, completely. it's incredible all the people are crazy yeah. all the people are crazy um, but I don't want Newells to win the championship now just because they I'm, I almost feel angry at <coughs> the way they've thrown so many points away they're doing in the last six rounds. everything they, they can not deserve it, it. They, they I mean as we've mentioned already None of the top kind of five, apart from Lanús, with the way they've just been steamrolling teams, really deserve to win the championship. But Newells have done more than anybody else to throw it away. When you look at the lead that they had, they were eight points clear, I think, at one point, and now they're one point behind San Lorenzo. Um, like like Ilan, as I already mentioned a few minutes ago, Rafaela at the side that I would just <laughs> love to see be crowned champions of Argentina, with Burruchaga managing them. Um, I think it would be absolutely magnificent. I really hope it happens. It's not going to, but I really hope that it does. It would really be the cherry on top of the cake of yeah, a, just a crazy, crazy championship yeah. we have. The other point, of course, and one telling thing about this is that neither of the River fans... Uh, OK, actually, Andres did say that he wants Newells to win it. I, I've not said that I want... I've explicitly <laughs> said that I don't want Newells to win it. Neither of us at all, I'm assuming, want Arsenal to win it. I don't think anybody in here really wants Arsenal to win the league, do they? Right. Santi's not listening because we can say this. <laughs> I respect Arsenal um, for what they've done over the last two no, years. The reason, the reason that this is telling from a River point of view is that if Newell's or Arsenal win the league, River are in the Copa Libertadores. If Newell's or Arsenal we just said you don't win the league. No, exactly. And if Newell's or Arsenal don't win the league, River are not. Um, and as we already mentioned, Which is basically River saying being in the Copa Libertadores would be bad for River at this stage. If Newell's or Arsenal win the league, River are on the relegation battle again. <laughs> precisely. Precisely. Um, so if you're if if you're from Newell's or Arsenal and you're listening to this, please continue to throw away points as much as you can. Let somebody else win it. Um, we're going to go away now. We're going to come back and we're going to answer. I really hope we've had a couple more questions because we've only had one so far. Um, we're going to answer. Oh, we've got another one. Okay, there we go. 
we're, we're going to answer your three, uh, your two listeners' questions about because one of them we have just answered. Uh, don't go away. We had a complaint last week from Sebastian Weisbrot, who asked us all, as, as regular listeners will no doubt remember, what, what our opinion of the Savella versus Vianchi row was over Orion getting his call-up. Uh, he was also surprised that we said that Lanús were, were one of the best teams in Argentina at the moment. The, the Lanús, we said Lanús or San Lorenzo for that, Lanús based on form. I feel that we, we got that one right. And the Orion thing, he was surprised that we sided with Savella, but as I said at the time, the clubs voted to continue the league at FIFA dates so they know what's coming in um, the, the club presidents are the ones who cast that vote so yeah I mean undoubtedly it, it, it's affected that actually with the number of goals Boca have conceded in the last few matches whether or not Orion's been in goal I'm not really sure that it has affected it all that much um, they conceded two and he was in goal on this weekend just gone so there we go anyway if, if you do have complaints about the answers that you get from hand pop questions feel free to tweet them and we'll, uh, we'll address the complaints by telling you that you're wrong, essentially. Um, we've had some questions this week. I wonder how many of these will cause anger among the people who have asked them. Let's see. Uh, Craig Clark asks, After Racing's horrendous start, they're now only five points behind River in the Torneo Inicial table. Could it be River who end up in the relegation battle? The answer to that is no. I mean, not for the moment, anyway. And not because of uh, Racing catching them up. Um, Whereabouts are they in the Promedios? Precisely, because yes. of the Promedios. Well, look. Promedio as a separate relegation table and in that Racing are up in mid-table somewhere yeah Uh, in fact they're exactly in mid-table that looks like more or less 10th to me Um, they've got 124 points the relegation battle I would say really the cut-off point is probably Tigre or Rafaela with 118 so they're 6 clear of Rafaela it's quite a wide-ranging relegation battle it goes all the way up to about let's see 20, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13th uh, in a 20-team league Um, Racing could still be sucked down if they can't keep up their current form but I think they've it's started to that much current form to keep up let's be honest well, five matches now <laughs> five matches with only one defeat I think is, is, is not a bad record no. um, River as we've mentioned are going to have problems but it's it, it works a little differently for them plus They'd have to have if River can start picking up yeah. wins those wins are still going to be divided by fewer points because they've only been in the top flight for two two yeah. seasons they'd have to have a really disastrous finale to, um, to yeah. even worry about that but it's not it is, mathematically it's a valid concern. It's certainly a valid concern for next season yes. when, when 2014 15 starts. Um, as I've mentioned, which is why we say River being in the Libertadores would probably be bad for River. Yeah. Um, they really say that next season up. they have to pick up 25 points or they're looking down the barrel again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's the answer to that one. Thank you for the question, Craig. Uh, little Billy Morrison from Australia asks Who do you think will win the Argentine Primera? We've that's, that's the one that yeah. I mentioned before the music had already been answered so hopefully Billy uh, you've been listening up to this point and you're happy with the answer um, Liam Kelly says is the appointment of Ricardo Rodriguez at all boys I hope I'm rolling my arse correctly um, a gamble will he keep them up are there three teams who are worse off yes. all boys standing in the promedio we should mention here mm-hmm. they're just above it 
Olimpo are currently bottom with exactly one point per match, 17 from 17. Argentinos and Godoy Cruz both have 111 points from 93 matches, which is an average of 1.194. If you can't take in these numbers whilst listening, it's probably no big surprise. But basically, Colón are for the moment one point ahead of those two, but of course, if slash when the AFA make a decision on Colón Rafaela, uh, Colón are likely to have three points dot, which will put them down to 109. All boys are three clear of Godoy Cruz and Argentinos with 114. It's still really early to say. I mean, we know relatively little about Rodriguez as a manager because he's only previously managed lower division sides. Mm-hmm. He was in Boys twice, I think, before they were in Primera. In Primera B and Primera Metropolitana. Right, so that's the third and. Sorry, Second and third. The Nacional y Metropolitana. Ah, right, sorry, okay, sorry, right, yeah, sorry, 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 that's what we can said. measure them if you want, you know. Do that's, what she, that's what she said. Okay. Um, anyway, that was a little bit of bawdy British humour in the two Argentines. Now the others, as if we're I don't know where your joke sign is. No. <laughs> I've, I've left it at home. Oh, I'll explain to these two afterwards what your joke sign is, because they weren't here for those good old days. No, they weren't. I think we'd better wrap this up before we say anything else. But the, the, we've gone off on a hell of a tangent here. Right, um, Ricardo Rodriguez. It's difficult for us to say much about his previous managerial record, because frankly, none of us really saw it. Something, something uh, Clevio Tucumán and yeah. uh, Defensa y Justicia. Yeah, I think he left up Letico Tucumán through differences with the board rather than through poor performance. Or I, I read something about this when he was appointed all boys. I boss, don't actually remember, but what I remember, it showed me as a, like as a character, a very goofy character. I can't or couldn't take him seriously because when I heard him talk, it's like he was managing me and my friends play on on a Sunday league football he seems right? I've only really been aware of him since he became All Boys boss i.e. like the last week um, he seems like quite a nice guy a- after the win in La Bombonera he said I'm from Floresta because of course he grew up with, with All Boys and, and I'm from Boedo um, he's a San Lorenzo <laughs> sorry <laughs> what am I talking about he, basically he said this, this one's for San Lorenzo um, he, he was I think linked with I don't know whether he's actually professionally linked with San Lorenzo or whether he's just a fan but basically he was saying you know that he hopes that he's given San Lorenzo a boost in the championship race by helping to beat Boca so it's San Juan boy that's sorry, that's the correct one San Juan is, is the one I was going for I got Floresta from the fact that that's where all boys play now um, it's one of the numerous neighbourhoods that San Lorenzo claim right in San Juan yeah <laughs> <laughs> he started out in yeah Got his, start. his first club was Atletico Madrid, that's a bit weird. He, he was an all-boys player in the He's late 1970s. Yeah. Um, and he is from Buenos Aires, is where he was born, apparently. So why on earth did he say he was from South Park? <laughs> is he drunk? Who the fuck knows? Probably. Yeah. He's never managed San Martín, he's never managed any San Juan clubs, so Some I don't know where he's Big names there, La Ferrera, El Porvenir, Estudiante de Buenos Aires. Fourth, the forthcoming. Racing de Córdoba. Very, 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 very long-term pod listeners will remember the name El Porvenir as being the club closest to the hospital that Sebastián García was born in. Um, this is really yes. pod. So this is his third spell with All Boys. Yes. 
and his fourth if we include the fact that he started that, that they were his first Argentine club because apparently his first uh, club full stop were Atletico Madrid when he was playing you think that might be work of some fanatic old boys fans who've kind of rewritten history there on Wikipedia we decided to play for Atletico yeah. Madrid <laughs> um Sorry, right, to drag this back to Liam's question, is the appointment of Ricardo Rodriguez at all boys a gamble? Will he keep them up with their three teams worse off? I think it's not a gamble. They know they will they know far better than we know who, is. Uh, who, who, they've, uh, who they've signed. Will he keep them up? I, I think they'll stay up. I've got a feeling they'll stay up. I've got yeah. much more optimism about them now that they lost the government of Falcioni because I think... And now that Colón have just... Tails been... Yes, Colón is going to help them as well. The fact that Olimpo are absolutely useless is going to help them. Godoy Cruz are the... And, and Argentinos are the unknowns they might pick up Godoy Cruz actually having a very good season can we name three teams worse off then that's the question Olimpo, I think that's the most impressive Olimpo Colón without a shadow without Colón Olimpo and Colón um, and Godoy Cruz I don't think so do you know how I had actually today um, a bus driver who was a dead ringer for um, imagine uh, Martin Palermo but uh, 50 years and with a beer belly it was quite impressive ok yeah. I think Kilmes is rubbish also but I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. But Chunda is really, mm. I think, a good manager. Of of these clubs, you've got. I mean, Godoy Cruz have been on an upward trajectory for most of the season, and they're a bit unlucky, in fact, to still be down in the relegation zone at the moment. But I, I think they'll eventually come out of it. Um, but watch out first. Kilmes and All Boys have both changed managers mm. recently. As have Tigre. Tigre changed about a month and a half ago. Um, so it's all still a little bit of an unknown quantity, but I think I wouldn't be surprised if one of Tigre or Kilmes. Or maybe Gimnasia or Central yeah. if they lose Watch points. out for Central, that's, yeah. that's my tip. I think they're going to fall a bit. They've right. had a few good weeks after that uh, classical win, but I think. Gimnasia, by the way, we've not really talked about Gimnasia's slump, but Gimnasia, because they started off fantastically, yeah. they haven't won in seven matches. Mm. Makes sense. Com- entirely without me really noticing. I only picked that up last night when I was. And they have lost to all boys, I think, or tied to all boys, which is actually like losing. Gimnasio's last seven matches to go through very, very, very quickly. Ah. So it, it really wouldn't be a surprise to see Gimnasia drop down at the start. They got a draw against Lanús, which mm. looked impressive. Gimnasia's last three, four, five, yeah, so seven matches have been, most of them have been draws. Uh, draws with Tigre, Olimpo and Arsenal, followed by back-to-back defeats against Racing and All Boys. And then nil-nil draws with Argentinos and Lanús. So the defence has tightened up in the last two matches, but... The, the attack has fallen off because before they were they were good they were going out to try and win matches mm. and for whatever reason they've hit a bit of a slump they've got a crucial match this coming weekend against Kilmes you'll hear what's going to happen with that in a minute when I get round to Mystic Sam's predictions and then they finish with a tricky tie away in La Bomonera but not impossible these days not impossible but still as I said Boca's home home record is, is decent in spite of their poor uh, play that's a great question um John Sivan John asks Lanus's chances to win this year's Copa Sudamericana very good indeed 2-1 up at half time of the semi-final the second leg of the semi is on Thursday evening at home Lanus yes Lanus are at home yep we've yeah. got two away goals I'm making favourites at this point so do I for the, for the whole Copa for the whole competition they have all to win the the championship I think but let's watch out for Ponte Preta eh? uh, no totally uh, the other semi-final is currently nil-nil in the second leg between Ponte Preta and San Paolo Ponte Preta got a, a 3-1 away win shot. in the first leg which is shot. shot yeah it really is because San Paolo are by a distance the biggest club left in the competition I would say uh, and they uh, uh, that but, um, and they are the winners the, the, oh, the reigning champions yeah. 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 I think that Rogelio Seni which is San Paolo's goalkeeper mm. has about 100 and 
15 more or less goals yeah. in first division and Pontevedra has 40 goals in first division so it's <laughs> tremendous Rogerio Senni by the way at the weekend this today is his 118th match for San Paolo competitive match for San Paolo Crescidi? no at the weekend but how's it going to be his 180th competitive match sorry his like 40 years his 1,100 ah, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for bringing me up the reason that I mentioned this is because at the weekend I saw this tweeted the reason I know this is I saw it tweeted he just played his 1,117th match and the previous record for a player who played the most number of competitive matches for a single club does anyone know? Pelé was Pelé who played 1,116 for Santos but they weren't all competitive right there was loads of friendlies and shit. well okay yeah it might not be, be competitive in that case but for whatever yeah. Rogério Senni has now taken Pelé's world record there we go um, in the last week absolutely so no respect a goalkeeper taking one of the world's best players record he could have scored one behind I mean okay Pelé scored a few more goals but Rogério Senni as a goalkeeper scored like 10% of the number of goals that Pelé scored yes. as well he which is, is he'd have more career goals than Pelé Sam let's say yeah. I want someone to tell me all the goals that Pelé scored where are the thousand goals against him if you look on his Wikipedia it adds up to about 680 uh, I think which is still highly impressive of course anyway talking about the final I, I think that Lanús is almost they are because they have even losing two away one, goals home advantage they're playing yes. fantastic even losing one nil home they will pass they will get the ticket to the final and, yeah. and Ponte Preta the same so yeah. I think the final will be Lanús Ponte Preta and it, it will be an, a very tight final yeah, yeah. yeah. there's two, two pretty small teams for as, a final let's say as English Dan says Ponte Preta are going to be the unknown quantity because they're they have Neil because Dorey. of the shocks they've got they put Vélez out in the quarter they, they, they Neil Dorey is a player to look at uh, mm-hmm. for Pochipreta Neil Dorey is, uh, they play he plays very good as well in the middle yes play very good against Vélez in the second leg match uh, final yeah. semi-final so if you're a Brazilian or Portuguese listener then we hope we've impressed you with our expert pronunciation of the words São Paulo and Pochipreta yeah um if you're not Brazilian or Portuguese, if Portuguese is not your first language, then trust me, that was expert pronunciation. Yeah. Listen to it. From two people who are highly well, fluent in Portuguese. Fox Sports, let me, let me say this. Fox Sports, uh, before the match uh, uh, was uh, the, the match started, they put in the videograph in the titles that it was Ponte Petra, not Preta. So, uh, more embarrassing for a channel, sports channel than myself that I am only in the podcast. And I've also heard some brilliant, only brilliant jokes. This yeah. is the best damn Argentine football it podcast is. on the internet, Andres. Yeah. I've also heard some, of being the only one, it's true. some brilliant jokes about the name Ponte Preta. Yeah, puns, if you will. Go on. Uh, I'm not sure I really want to ask this, but go on, please tell us. <laughs> Things like, you know, Ponte Lista, Ponte... <laughs> Final question. Going on that, no. Indeed. Um, on which note the final question is from Jack Tillman who asks who has been the worst of River's reinforcements Teo Mora Fabro or Carbonero my vote is a tie between Mora and Fabro um, I sort of mentioned this towards the beginning I mentioned that none of them have been particularly great it's got to be Fabro right yeah it's been an absolute shout Teo has scored I think two goals and both of them have been in matches that three. we've lost it's three the first against Colón yeah, losing at home to Colón is 
horrendous uh, one in the same Americana, which was the only useful goal, and which they ended up losing the tie anyway. If I they won the match yeah. but lost the tie. No, they won the match and won the tie. Oh, sorry, yeah, that was the way to um, uh, the, yeah, Liga de Loja. Liga de Loja, well done. And, and then another lot goal in a, in a defeat in the league. Uh, no, in the cup against Lanús, three-one. Yeah. He scored against Lanús at home. Who did it? Three, yeah. three-one, yeah. So pretty much a useless goal scorer. No. Yeah, so obviously Fabregas he's, he's been a complete disaster. Like he came in with so much fanfare, like no, won it for so long, and then he just a Boca Juniors fan, as you can see in his Twitter. He tweeted against not only forward to Boca, but against River when he played in Cerro Porteño. But it's his show. He's a football player, and they hired him. But he has been horrendous. See, completely I, slow I thought Jonathan I, I know that Dario Fabro his brother and agent is a Boca fan I thought that, that Jonathan, no, Jonathan, was, uh, that Jonathan was a, I knew he'd come up through Boca's academy of course but I thought he was a River fan that was the, the story that was sold um, when he signed but yeah I'd probably agree that Fabro's been and this is as somebody who when I sent the Handapod pre-season questionnaire around the results of which we're going to read out in full on the Initial review episode. Um, mm-hmm. I said that Fabro could prove to be one of the best signings of the season. It's not quite worked out that way. Quite interesting, quite joke. I'm not going to do that, Don. But, um, <laughs> thank you. For I the think advice. there is no best signing of the season. And Andres, worst signing for River, those four. Yeah, definitely. Fabro. Fabro. There we go. That's pretty much it. Um, Mora, admittedly, hasn't done very much, but that was almost. Yeah. At least he came in cheap. He you could like, tell beforehand. He was not doing anything during the Tonel yeah. final either, and they just re signed him on loan. So. Sorry, if you talk about how he did before and how yeah. he arrived, uh, the worst signing is Mansayes, I think, because he mm. was two years with, with no official activity. And, and he came river and, and he was uh, in a starting lineup against Estudiantes. He scored the goal, and then he was. Like, uh, well, Ramon Diaz was not, not that wrong because he wrote him knowing that he would do do uh, this, and and then, well, it's the same as the, uh, the rest of the team. I don't know, I think Menzegas is obviously a lot of people were complaining about him beforehand. Yeah. I think he's been surprisingly, um, I'm not saying he's been really amazing, but I think he's surprised. Pablo was a, had a good season with Cerro Porteño, which doesn't. Uh, mean that he would do that the same in the in river, at river. But uh, at least he had something good that he did in in, in Sao But how, how bad does football have to be in Paraguay for a player like Fabio to be the number ten of the first or second best team in the league? If we had someone like Roberto Nani, who was yeah. number nine, just completely okay. He's completely got, slow. Yeah. He can't move on the pitch. But you I'm say Porteño, then. National Paraguay team, of course. You, you, in this uh, particular moment, he's he isn't doing well. But Cerro uh, Porteño, which is one of the most important teams in Paraguay and national team. I'm starting to wonder whether it says more about Paraguayan football than, than anything else. I mean, yeah. we're talking about. Let's remember, Fabro after about four or five matches of not playing for River, announced that he had hired privately hired a, a separate physical trainer to get him up to the physical demands of the Argentine league <laughs> and which we talk, is horrendous we talk all the time about how Argentine players who've grown up in this league and then get moved to Europe the first thing they're going to have to get used to 
not even you know to the English league, but to Spain and Italy and Portugal and France and Germany as well. Um, the first thing they need to get used to is the fact that the game is played at a higher pace and they need to be more physical. You see players like Lamela or Campos, for instance, from River, who both of them left River when they were 17, 18 years old. They were built like me. Now, a lot of our listeners won't know what I look like. I'm skinny, very he's, skinny. He's um, Lamela now is not very skinny. He's bolt up. That's happened. Okay, part of it is the fact that the age you moved, you start to put on some muscle and that let, kind of age. Let me say something. But still. Yeah. Bruno Cipollini has been interviewed the other day mm-hmm. in a famous program, mm-hmm. and he was given a, a, pres- a present, a gift, a go, a, so that he could li- go to eat to a famous restaurant, and that's the way they they do. They well, they, they, not mentioning either the program or the restaurant. Yes, I won't mention it. If they want to sponsor Hanapod, then we'll mention them. They go to interviews, to TV shows, and then. They, they, they are given presents. You can go to it well, there. By any chance, is this the TV show presented by the man with the enormous arms? No, not, not that. Oh, one. that's a it, shame. It, it okay. is earlier. The program is earlier in, a, in another channel. Because the guy um, with the arms the size of ham yes. steaks. But they are given a same, same restaurant to go to it. Mm-hmm. You can't pretend then, then to, to be in a good physical form. That's, for me, it's... Well, I you see Argentine players tweeting every Sunday. I'm, I'm an asado with my mates. Yeah. Yeah. But, they, no, but they don't eat chori. They don't eat chori and they don't eat achuras. It's only beef. No, it's fanet with Diet yeah. Coke. And fanet with Diet Coke. It's that. If you have to compare, like maybe it. the Argentinian league is a bit more professional compared to the Paraguayan or, or Bolivian leagues. We have uh, on the phone Silvio Garrario, uh, which was a, a player of many teams here in Argentina in the 90s. Uh, and he told that he left football when he was in Bolivia because he couldn't stand it. the altitude, the, the unprofessionalism he played in Bolivar, which is the biggest team in Bolivia. And, and he said that it was horrendous, the way they trained, horrible. And thinking about Paraguay, maybe it, it can be similar. Think about Dani Guisa, which was once a national team player for Spain. Which is now playing in Cerro Porteño. I don't know if he's actually playing or not, but uh, he had a, a maybe drugs scandal in Spain and so he fled to South America to Paraguay <laughs> sounds logical enough yeah well there was didn't, was it Bolivar or Blooming or one of the Bolivian clubs signed like six Spanish national players that's how uh, former Spanish national players like six or eight months ago or something and I think Wiso was one of them and he's since moved to Cerro Porteño it was a big story and um, no idea what was behind it I, I still haven't looked into it but anyway um the, we've reached that time of the podcast I believe, I'm just going to check thank you for your questions, nobody sent any more but thank you in particular um, to Billy, Liam, John and Jack because prior to you guys sending in after my very late appeal um, we'd only had Craig's question and just one question would have been particularly bad going for, for Handapod um, the next thing that you hear is going to be Mystic Sam's theme music and the next thing that you hear after that is going to be Mystic Sam telling you what to bet your mortgage on this coming weekend. Two weeks ago I got one out of nine, thanks to Rafaela uh, versus Colon not Was being it played. Be it should have been two out of ten. I mean, it would be Soon two out of ten. When the AFA comes through, it'll be. Absolutely depending on whether your bookmaker actually gives you the win for that match or not. 
this weekend just gone. I got four, and as I mentioned earlier, it would have been six if I had listened to Mariano's advice in inverted commas. Um, and none of these have been with Mariano's advice. So actually, one of them might have been, but I forgot what it was. Um, so here we go. This is what's going to happen this weekend. On Friday, we've got two matches. Godoy Cruz are going to beat Olimpo de Bahia Blanca, a result which will mean that Godoy Cruz have an unbeaten record during the Torneo Inicial at home. Rosario Central versus Racing is going to be a draw. Colón against Vélez. I don't even need to read that prediction out, do I? Really? You will get one yeah. out of ten at least. Yeah. Precisely, yeah. That's, that's the banker. Uh, Tigre. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in case anybody doesn't understand sarcasm after what Dan just said, I'm going for a Vélez one in that one. Uh, Tigre versus Atletico Rafaela is really really bloody tight do not bet on it but I'm going to say it's a draw uh, none of the, of the three possible results would surprise me at all in that match Arsenal de Sarandi against Belgrano I think Arsenal can win that all boys against Newells in the Clásico Boisense is going to be a draw San Lorenzo versus Estudiantes San Lorenzo are going to win it and ensure that going into the last weekend they're top Gimnasia versus Quilms is going to be a draw. That's Quilmes in case anybody gets confused. Uh, River Plate against Argentinos Juniors is also going to be a draw. And Lanús versus Boca Juniors. Lanús to win and put Boca out of the title race. Does anybody have any major arguments with any of those predictions? I think you're pretty spot on. I'd like to see a little bit more, um, more faith in yours. I think, I think you've been a bit drawn by uh, always last result. But as somebody who writes previews and has spent the last bloody five weeks saying Newells are going to win this, Newells are going to win this, their run without a win cannot possibly go on for another week. Exactly, so now that you've gone against them, they're going to win. Well, probably, yeah, yeah, but it it, it wouldn't be logical in any way (laughs) to recommend What has logic got to do with Argentine football? Nothing at all. I've got to write a a preview somehow and I've got to arrive at a conclusion that looks sensible to my readers. That looks at Newells being a crap until uh, from six rounds up to now and they are second so if oh, there is no logic I have to say Colón will not lose <laughs> yeah, really I think they're going to get a good one point because point. there's no logic at all in this well, exactly. land yeah. by that by that logic it wouldn't surprise me it absolutely that wouldn't nil. surprise me it's if they win I wouldn't yeah well it, and actually it wouldn't surprise me if they no it really wouldn't right any result doesn't surprise me now. I've got to say. It frustrates me. I've, I've become less and less of a fan recently and more and more of just wanting to, whatever I've predicted to happen. Um, but there we go. This is Argentine football. That's self interest for you. That's the beauty of it, right? Indeed. The beauty and the ugliness altogether. Um, beauty and the beast, come on. That's such an on, on, on which note, I, I think part of it is it, it's interesting. Um, I wanted to say earlier that, that we talk about the mediocrity of the Argentine league because we've got a title race which has got like nine teams who mathematically can still win the title with only two matches to go. Whilst at the same time, six months ago, Newells were okay. Newells actually only ended up securing the title in the penultimate round, but they were clearly going to win it from about halfway through the championship onwards. Um, and you know, in, in various Western European leagues, you've got one or two teams can win it and no more. So yeah, 
The standard isn't as high in Argentina, but I'm, I'm quite pleased that more often than not we've got a competitive league. There are a couple of format changes that might be coming in in the next year, which we'll discuss in the next couple of Hand of Pods. But for now, um, we hope you've enjoyed listening. Thank you very, very much for Ilan. We hope you've enjoyed your first appearance. Very much, very much. Thank if you, you want to come back on, then you're very welcome. Um, if Colón dies, I <laughs> will, you will have my predictions. <laughs> Excellent, glad to hear it. Uh, thank you to Andres. Well, thank you to you for inviting me again. Thank you to English Dan. Thank you very much for coming. And congratulations on finally christening your new apartment. Yeah. You can officially say you live here now. Yes. Yes. Uh, and thank you and thank you for listening and, and for sharing as well uh, one thing I forgot I didn't realise was true when I um, finished recording last week was that our birthday episode two weeks ago was listened to by about 2,600 wow. people uh, which is the most ever in a single week for Hand of Pod so thank you very is much to all our listeners for listening sharing it was a fantastic episode uh, every episode too, right? gets better next week's episode will be even better than this one was um, we hope you continue to enjoy the podcast particularly in these last two weeks of the championship. Please come back next week and listen to us again. And for now, it's goodbye. Goodbye.